If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome to State of the Nation with me, Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. My man, Brian Hesher-McLean, still on assignment, as we say. He will be joining us at the top of the next hour, so that's very good. Somewhere uh, in California, uh, we hope to get him back on the air in studio by the end of this week. I think that's probably going to happen, but we'll look forward to talking with him uh, in a little while. Of course, you can watch the show now as opposed to just listen to it. You can listen to it if you want, obviously. But you can also watch State of the Nation and all TNT radio programs uh, by either visiting our website at tntradio.live. You can also find us on, well, basically every streaming app you can name, from Rumble to Odyssey to uh, YouTube even, and and, and all points in between. So go check it out. We've got a great face for uh, radio and television, as it turns out. I'd like to think anyway. Listen, man, this is a big, 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 big big, uh, news day today. In fact, I don't think it would be, I don't think I would be wrong if I said today will be the biggest news day of the week. Now, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but it was a big one today. That's for damn sure. Hunter Biden pulled a stunt uh, with Abby Lowell showing up. You know, today he was supposed to show up for those clo- the closed door deposition uh, with the House. He did not, but he did show up to Capitol Hill and he was very very strategic and this is no doubt had nothing to do with his strategy so much as it did with Abby Lowell because say what you want about Abby Lowell but he's very respected uh inside the beltway because he's a damn good lawyer that's why and they also say that if you get Abby Lowell if you hire Abby Lowell you're hiring him because your ass is in the is in the ringer right now and that's certainly true of Hunter Biden so Hunter Biden shows up and this is important He shows up to the Senate side of the Capitol, not the House side. And he goes on and on. He says that Republicans are smearing his character (laughs) and besmirching his father's good name and everything else, all this other garbage he was spewing. Well, here's what he said. He goes, they belittled my recovery and they have tried to dehumanize me all to embarrass my father who has devoted his entire life to public service, yada, yada, yada. For six years, I've been the target of the unrelenting and unrelenting Trump attack team. You know, I tell you what, you just, you know, given what Trump and his entire family has been through, you just, the, the chutzpah of these people is, uh, I wouldn't say it's admirable, but it certainly is stunning. That's for sure. So, you know, he said, they, they keep saying, where's Hunter? Well, here I am. Well, no, you weren't Hunter. No, you weren't. Let me tell you why it's important that he was on the Senate side and not the House side of the Capitol. Now, if you've been to D.C. and you've seen the big Capitol rotunda in the building and all that, one side of that building is where the the House of Representatives file in. The other side of that building is where the Senate files in. And there's two different sergeants at arms. Sergeant at arms on Capitol Hill are the leading law enforcement, uh, you know, agent there. So you've got the House Sergeant of Arms and you've got the Senate Sergeant of Arms. Had Hunter and Abby Lowell decided to show up in front of a podium on the House side, well, what Speaker uh, Mike Johnson could have done is he could have said to his Sergeant at Arms, uh, Officer, I want you to go and apprehend that man and compel him to come in here and speak. 
In other words, he could have cuffed him and dragged his ass in and said, you got to speak. But Abby Lowell's way too smart for that. He said, no, no, no. We show up on the Senate side because then, even though it's a very small jurisdiction, the House Sergeant of Arms has no jurisdiction on the Senate side. You see? So wasn't that a neat little trick that Hunter and Abby pulled out? And of course they did. And the media, of course, is oh, stroke a genius, stroke a genius. I remind you that uh, Donald Trump Jr. gave two depositions behind closed doors. They lasted an average of six to six and a half hours each. Ivanka Trump gave over four and a half, five hours of de- uh, behind closed door deposition. And so did Eric Trump. So all of all of Trump's kids did this. What became of those depositions? Nothing, because there was no law broken. Hunter refuses to do it. Hunter refused outright to do it and then tried this political stunt. I don't think it's going to be a good move for him. It looks like the House is definitely going to move to hold him in contempt now. Uh, and they will. They're, I think they're probably doing that even as we speak. And then we'll see what happens then. Because then Merrick Garland's ass is in a sling. Because then Merrick Garland has to decide what he wants to do. I just would remind you that Peter Navarro was arrested in the Nashville airport for contempt of Congress. He was handcuffed and he was put in leg irons and he was hobbled out of that airport in public. Steve Bannon was also held in contempt of Congress. And uh, and now he's looking at four months in jail. Does it sound fair to you? Of course not. Now, Navarro refused to testify. Same with Bannon. Both of them claim the same thing. Executive privilege. We're aides of President Trump. We didn't do anything. We've got we're covered under uh executive privilege and we're not going to testify. Hunter gets none no such uh treatment from his old man. Now, now true, he's it's gonna be even better for Hunter because even if Hunter is found guilty, you know what daddy's gonna do? He's gonna pull out his pardon wand and he's just gonna pardon him. Politics be damned, because as the media keeps telling us, Joe Biden loves his son very much and is very proud of him. If you believe that, I've got a bridge. The House is also teeing up to uh, formalize votes on a uh, impe- impeachment inquiry. That's probably going to happen right as this show ends, right around 5 p.m. Uh, and they've got to do all of this because the day after tomorrow, they all leave for the holiday break. And then they take some time off and they'll return after the new year. And I suspect all of this is going to ramp right back up. And now the Republicans have added incentive to not only file contempt charges against Hunter, but to file the impeachment inquiry, bring it to a full vote, which, as I mentioned, is going to happen today, probably around 5 p.m., and then we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, they are very nervous about this and nervous for good reason because Joe Biden is sinking like a rock in every single poll. Every poll between now and election, I predict, will only get worse for Joe Biden. The compare and contrast between Trump and Biden Whether you like either one of them is irrelevant. But when you look at their policies, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, to compare and contrast, it's not even close. Biden loses that by a country mile, and now he's wrapped up in all this uh, impeachment inquiry garbage, and which not garbage. I mean, he should be impeached, don't get me wrong, but he's wrapped up in that. And, of course, his son, his meth addict son, who is meth and uh, crack addict son, who spent over what millions and millions of dollars on illicit drugs and hookers uh, is now saying 
Republicans are trying to besmirch me and smear me to embarrass my dad. Hey, Hunter, I got news for you, buddy. When you left that laptop at the shop, you uh, you, you embarrassed yourself. That's sad. Anyway, hey, do you know if there's, uh, you know, there's many great ways you can listen to TNT radio, even watch us, as I mentioned before. You can stream us directly from our website right on your desktop, your phone, your tablet, whatever. You can also download our app. That's what that's what I do. It's available on the App Store. Uh, we even stream live on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey, because we've got you covered on TNT radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's bring our friend Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, into the party here. Oh, here's a story for you. Elon Musk's uh, EV car company, Tesla, is recalling more than 2 million of their vehicles in the United States that are fitted with its autopilot advanced driving assistance system. Uh, to install new safeguards. Imagine that. Who would have thought that a self-driving car might have problems? This is all after a U.S. regulator has raised serious safety concerns. Uh, you know, so if they're not blowing up and burning down houses, uh, they're, they're I guess they're driving into trees, Ruckus? What's the story here, man? Well, what's at issue here, Steve, is the fact that recently uh, auto safety regulators found that some of the autopilot features are confusing to drivers or it's too easy for them to misuse and abuse. Uh, well, which agency would that be? Well, none other than the NHTSA, of course, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, who has been investigating the electric automaker led by Elon Musk. That would be Tesla, of course. Uh, they've been investigating them for more than two years over whether uh, the vehicles adequately ensure that drivers pay attention when using autopilot. Because, you know, who 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 in their right mind thinks if your car is driving itself that you should stop paying attention, right? I mean, obviously, this is an issue. Uh, the largest ever Tesla recall, that's what this is, appears to cover pretty much almost every single one of its vehicles that are on roads here in the United States. That's a lot. Now, Tesla said in a recall filing that Autopilot's software system controls, quote, may not be sufficient to prevent driver misuse, end quote, and could increase the risk of a crash. Acting NHTSA Administrator Ann Carlson told Reuters in August, it was, quote, really important that driver monitoring systems take into account that humans overtrust technology, end quote. Tesla's Autopilot, that's the name of it, by the way, it's called Autopilot with a capital A. Uh, it's intended to enable cars to steer, accelerate, and brake automatically within their lane, while enhanced Autopilot can assist in changing lanes on highways, but does not make them autonomous. One component of Autopilot is Auto Steer another word with a capital A, which maintains a set speed or following distance and works to keep a vehicle in its driving lane. Tesla did not agree with NHTSA's analysis, but would deploy an over-the-air software update that will, quote, incorporate additional controls and alerts to those already existing on affected vehicles to further encourage the driver to adhere to their continuous driving responsibility whenever auto steer is engaged, end quote. The company did not respond to a question on whether the recall would be performed outside the United States, and it is not immediately clear if China will demand a recall over the same issue. 
So, uh, yeah, um, we, we've got this going on, Steve. Uh, I'm going to get some of your thoughts here, but if you want, I can bring you up to speed about another recent crash where one of them drove right into a tractor, apparently. <laughs> I would just say, man, that I'm still wary of cruise control, and that's been available since the late 70s. So, um, I, I sure as hell, you know, they know Americans are too trusting of technology. You count me out, not me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say, okay, let's uh, crack a beer. I just put us on auto steer. We're good to go. Um, that said, I do, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if this, uh, uh, this, uh, this Tesla recall, I'm not saying it is, I'm not making accusations, but you know, this could be a little political payback too. They hate Musk. Tell us about the, uh, the crashing story though. Maybe that'll help us clear, uh, clear the air here. Yeah, I just caught the the headline of this one earlier today, and I was like, is this related to the thing? And it's not. This is news that has broken since this recall of Tesla. Uh, they're investigating um, a Tesla vehicle basically ramrodded right into a farm tractor. Uh, now, Tesla in the past, uh, which is what led to NHTSA opening its probe back in August of 2021, um, were driving into stationary um emergency vehicles like uh, ambulances, fire trucks, just because those are the types of vehicles that will wind up randomly being stationary in places they're not supposed to be because, you know, it's an emergency. And the people were just stuck in this autopilot system. They weren't paying attention. And next thing you know, we've got they were looking at close to a thousand crashes, something like 950 something. Uh, and then they like honed in on an interesting number. I believe it was 322. That number is always interesting to me for an esoteric reason. Um, but yeah, just as of today, I, I forget which state it was, but they, they've opened a new investigation into a Tesla car crashing into a stationary farm tractor. I, I don't have the article right in front of me. I, I thought I had it. Sorry about that. But yeah, so yeah. This, this is going on. It keeps going on. Um, and what's interesting to me, Steve, is I know this is a voluntary recall that Tesla has issued, but they're, they're offering to fix the problem with a software update, kind of like on your phone or your computer. And that, to me, I don't even know if I trust that. I think I would prefer to take it into a dealership, get the update done, and have everything looked over and then assured to me by another human being that we're good to go, you know? But that's just me, of course. Yeah, well, I don't blame you. I'm, I'd, I'd be the same way. I'd, you know, I, it, it's just, here we are in this mad push to green energy, zero net emissions, uh, net uh, neutrality, or not net neutrality, uh, zero, um, what is it, z z zero uh, uh, emissions, whatever the hell they call that, uh, the term for it, the greenies use. And yet we always hear about these cars, and not just Tesla, it must be said, and certainly not just cars, also these electric scooters and stuff, these, these ion lithium batteries that are used to, they always burn up. In New York City, I can tell you, they say that up to uh, 200, 200 fires a year are because people are storing these electric uh, scooters in their house. But you also see, you know, you also see the Teslas burning up in the street. And uh, I don't know that they've really got a handle on the safety all the way around, uh, just on the batteries. So as far as the autopilot goes, no, 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 I'll, I'll sit on the sidelines for a few years and they can, to, to borrow a line from uh, the late Charles Charlton Heston, uh, they can peel my uh, fossil fuel fired car from my cold dead hands because I will be driving a gasoline powered car uh, up until I can no longer drive it uh, and they stop producing gasoline, I guess. But whatever, maybe these are the kinds of 
bumps on the road that you have to get through to launch new tech. I just wouldn't want to spend the money for it. But anyway, thank you, Ruckus, as always, brother. Interesting story. And I have a funny feeling we're going to be hear, hearing more and more about these stories uh, as EVs kind of become more the more the norm. They're still very few and far between as far as most people are concerned. But I'm seeing more of them on the road. So, yes, that's going to change. You, you, by this time next year, it's probably going to be we're going to be like, wow, uh, we'll be shocked. Uh, plus, also keep them. I mean, any speeding vehicle is a dangerous thing on, on the highway in particular, people. Uh, just ask physics professors. They'll explain it to you. Uh, but now we've got the cyber <laughs> trucks coming out on the road, too. And those things are like bulletproof. So we're now causing, you know, I don't even I don't even want to think what could happen if one of these things is self-driving cyber trucks starts plowing through buildings. We might have a 9-11 event on our hands, Steve. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll follow up with this maybe on next time. And you have a good day, my friend. YouTube. I mean, let me ask you something before you go, uh, Ruckus. Did you see the video Elon just posted? I, I don't know if it was a day or two ago of the cyber truck racing a brand new 2023 Porsche 911. And the cyber truck, not only did it win the race, but it was towing another Porsche 911, zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds. And it blew away the Porsche while towing another Porsche. Absolutely insane. All right, Ruckus, I just, you saw that? I did. And Elon Musk, he knows how to show off, Steve, for sure. That. Yeah, just don't throw any more steel balls at the window of the Cybertruck. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate that, Ruckus. We'll talk to you tomorrow, man. You have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. All right, there he goes. Uh, you are listening and watching, perhaps, State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We've got a big, big show for you today. Uh, we've got, uh, well, let, let's see. We've got Martin Baker coming up. He's going to be joining us. Ken Cuccinelli. We're going to be talking about the CNN town hall uh, with uh, with Ron DeSantis last night. Oh, and get this a little bit later. Craig Rucker is going to join us. He's recently back from the Dubai COP28 meeting. And we'll also talk with Don, uh, Don Marie Horsico, who has uh, joined us a few weeks ago, and we look forward to chatting with her as well. We'll get into all of it coming up next on State of the Nation on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook. You know, Black America is in the midst of of an epiphany, I think, concerning Democrats and their actual intent. Two weeks ago, our first guest penned a piece for human events, and it was a pretty big wake-up call to black Americans and black pastors as well all across the nation. Let me just give you a small taste of it. He says, 
Black ministers have been led down the primrose path by the usual race hustlers uh, who promise increased influence and larger congregations if they preach certain ideological political beliefs, generally liberal, to their parishioners. This is an obscene disservice to their weekly followers who come to these houses of worship for hope and guidance, but instead find pulpit lectures on gloom and doom and hateful political record uh, rhetoric that has no place in the house of God. Joining us now to elaborate on this piece uh, and what he thinks is going on uh, from the NCPPR uh, Project 21 initiative, it's Martin Baker. Martin, hello. Welcome to State of the Nation. It's wonderful to see you, sir. How are you today? It is absolute honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you. That I got to say, that piece in Human Events, man, that was a real shot across the bow. Uh, how is it being received, do, do, do you suspect? Have you gotten any blowback? Have you gotten any support? Uh, just tell us about it. I'm a black conservative, so that's nothing. Blowback is nothing new. So obviously, <laughs> it's something that I'm not that I'm not unfamiliar with. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine so. But you know, one thing we as we've been watching these polls, Martin, I got to say, I am I am really, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure Democrats all throughout the Beltway are in panic mode with what's going on with uh, with the attitude towards of Black Americans towards Democrats, um, especially uh, Black males. Are kind of, have have the scales fallen from their eyes? Are they seeing that the Democrats have been? Honing them, or what? What do you think? What I what I think at this point is that what you're starting to see is that blacks are starting to once again embrace their conservative roots, and that's not necessarily a Democrat or Republican thing. But historically, blacks have been conservative they, in the, in in their in their lifestyles and their in in their faiths, and they're suddenly starting to trust but verify the things that they have been told, they've been taught. They've been shown. They are starting to finally see that the rhetoric does not match up with the results. So if that's a wake up call for one party or another, it should be because both parties are, are guilty of the rhetoric, especially when it comes to the fact of politicizing pastors in the black community, because both parties will go to a to a church right before election day they'll sell the the dream of the promise of this that or whatever they'll get the the prisoners to go out in droves and vote for them and then when the elections are over with they're in office they forget their phone numbers they forget who they are yeah well i've noticed that there's certain um i guess in this day and age we would just call them influencers one of them of course charlemagne the god he's got a, a very popular program uh, he has been very open in his calling out of some of the, uh, as you mentioned, the primrose path uh, that that the that Black Americans have been led down. He seems very angry uh, about it, and and seems to be calling, specifically in this case, calling out Democrats. And I think probably because, you know, when we talk about politics, I know that you're talking about in the houses of worship, it doesn't belong. I fully agree with you, regardless of party. I I'm with you there. But Charlemagne the God and others, maybe yourself included, have called out the the basic hypocrisy. Here we have, you mentioned, and I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's true not only of black communities, but also of Hispanic communities, that they are mostly conservative. And yet Democrats seem to be focused on 
trans issues, a wide open border, uh, spending money uh, like uh, like drunken Marxist overseas on overseas, uh, uh, you know, wars. Uh, is, is is that what's going on here? Are people are, are like is Charlemagne the God uh, tapping into something that is kind of organic? What what you're tapping into now, is, and you did make that point. Historically, black churches and most churches overall have conservative leanings, respecting life, respecting families, finding self providence, not looking to the government first for the needs the societal ills you start with your family you start then with your neighborhood your church then you then if all else fails then you look to the government for temporary not some long-term cycle of dependency and this is and these all started in the churches and that's where the liberals and certain people certain influencers to use your phrase went in and they knew that they had to go. We can go back into the 30s. Margaret Sanger, who was one of the forebears of Planned Parenthood, one of her first things when she started her racist eugenic policies was, and so that it would, so that she could soften the stance on it, she instructed her people and her foundation to talk to the black ministers because she knew she had to start with the ministers first who could wrangle their parishioners and basically also bring to heel the more radical ones, you could say. And what you're starting to see now is finally, 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 you are seeing the scales being lifted off the eyes of people who for years, for generation after generation, have been duped. To, to steal a phrase from, from Malcolm X, they've been hoodwinked, they've been bamboozled, run amok, led astray. You could pick your own phrase. But the lies are starting to come to heel. They 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 sold a bill of goods and now the checks come due. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or to borrow another phrase, the chickens have come home to roost, haven't they, Reverend Jeremiah Wright? Uh, chickens are definitely coming home to roost. And that's why I say, you know, because we've seen this not just with black Americans. We've seen, we're seeing it with Hispanic Americans. And quite frankly, we're seeing it with some white, uh, quote unquote, liberals, not progressives per se. But liberals, we're seeing the uh, erosion of, uh, of of civil civil liberties uh, across the board, and I got to think that when you start getting people like Charlemagne the God and Bill Maher and some of these classically, well, I, I wouldn't know if Charlemagne the God is a classical liberal, but certainly Bill Maher falls into that category. But when these people start noticing it, and when they start speaking out and saying, "Wait a minute, you guys." You guys have run afoul. It's not just that it's hypocrisy. It's that it's it's it, it's it's starting to look like a straight up lie, especially when you see what's going on. And I've got to ask you about this, Martin. What's going on today with Hunter Biden? Uh, I mean, this is uh, people have got to be waking up to this all regardless of race, creed, ethnicity. Are you seeing this happening too? the the waking up of the sheer uh, corruption? In, fr in front of their uh, eyes what what you're to do to, to bring it back to to the article that i wrote it, it all boils down to the basic foundations the faith people of faith of what regardless whether you're catholic whether you're mormon whether you're baptist methodist whatever the case may be people of faith are finally starting to see something they're starting to see these policies are not in concert with the faith that I adhere to. And 
someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to answer for how I practiced my faith. Was I hypocritical? Was I, was I fair and honest in my dealings with my fellow man? Did I treat my brothers and sisters in this mortal judgment? Did I treat them fairly and equally? Was I honest and above board in all the things that I do? Was I a true disciple of the faith that I claim to adhere to? And they're going to answer yeah. for that. And, and now you're starting to see that where people are finally starting to take heed to that message. My, my, my older brother, who passed away three years ago, was a, was a minister. And one of his favorite phrases was, is that he would say, by your fruits, you shall know them. People are starting to be more better. They're starting to be better fruit inspectors. They're seeing the fruits <laughs> of the people who are professing to be shepherds of the flock. And they're finding out they're not just shepherds, they're wolves. They are mm-hmm. wolves in sheep's clothing. They are they're they're more intent on having a nicer car. That that prime parking spot in the church parking lot. The the, the security there. The mega churches. The the multi million dollar influences that they are yeah. having. That's more important than teaching the basic Christian doctrines that uh, that any Christian foundation should be built upon. The foundation of of a Christ centered message. And if go. it's something that's not of Christ, you're going to see deception. You're going to see hypocrisy. You're going to see policies that erode the things that a basic person of religion would adhere to and would embrace and would would strongly follow. Well, that's well said. Uh, Martin, we're going to take a quick break just for a headline. When we come back, I want to talk to you about about because obviously your piece at Human Events was was really about this the, the the flock let's just say that not just about the pastors but about the flock and the congregation and and the people of faith when we get back i want to talk to you about that and how that is either growing or shrinking uh not just within the black community but within the country my guest is martin baker uh he's from the national center of public policy research project 21 we'll be back with more from martin on state of the nation on tnt radio right after this headline Time to read some news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Early Wednesday, Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine, was hit by another ballistic missile attack, resulting in injuries to at least 53 people, including six children. Australia has seen the rise of a new political group, the Gen Z Party, which voices the frustrations of Generation Z, particularly towards the baby boomer generation. A recent analysis by Homelessness Australia reveals a notable increase in the number of Australians facing homelessness and rough sleeping at the time they first contact homeless services. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we are back with Martin Baker from Project 21, the Project 21 initiative. Um, Thank you, Martin, for, for hanging in through that headline. So you mentioned the flock, your piece from Human Events, uh, what was it, uh, November 30th, I believe, but a couple of weeks ago, um, definitely is is focused primarily uh, on houses of worship and how they have basically, I mean, this is a, a scene where I think that Jesus would come flip the tables over at a lot of these churches because they do seem to be kind of getting into the political rhetoric. Um, is, it the, is it fellow pastors that are taking note of this? Or is it congregations that are taking note of this? And also, are we seeing a growth in the uh, faith community 
inside the uh, black communities in, 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 in our urban centers? You actually are seeing both. You're seeing pastors who are finally realizing, wait a second, I am straying away from what I came here for. I didn't come here for the big Cadillac. I didn't come here for the mega church. I didn't come here for the oodles of cash that come in the coffers from the offering plate. I came here because I felt prompted and driven by, by a higher calling to serve people. I, I wanted to be a servant leader. And then in turn, that's radiating to congregants who are saying this person is not teaching faith-based things. This does not vibe and jive with what I came here for. And they are they are either calling the pastors to task, calling them to repentance to do the right thing, or they are leaving to go to somewhere else. They will find a faith that best matches their views and their values. And these yeah. pastors are starting to wake up to that. When they start, when they see a hundred people one Sunday, and then they suddenly see 75. And then it's 50. And then all of a sudden it's 10 and nine of them are your family members. You know, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're, and you're seeing, you think that some of these pastors are seeing this, huh? They absolutely have to be there. There is no reason why they cannot be seeing that because if they're not, then they are blind and they are in it for the wrong reason. And that's sad. And, and it's a sad experience because if you claim to be a professor of any gospel, regardless of what the name of the church, name of the church is on your building. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you're going to do everything that you can to bring those Christ centered principles into the foray. You're not going to say, oh, well, we've got, we've got such and such who's running for city council or for president or whomever. You should listen to him because he's our guy. Yes, yeah. you can have those principles outside of the pulpit. And sure, you could even invite someone, but do not have them there as a campaign stump because that is just not the place for it. Yeah, it you is. It is. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you. And I, you know, I do find it a little bit. Well, I guess hypocritical is probably the best word. When 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 you get politicians, and this is you're right, it's from both sides of the aisle. But when we're talking about black congregations and black pastors and black churches in mostly blue cities, uh, it tends to be lots of Democrats, and they will sit there and scream and scream and scream about separation of church and state. Don't. Don't never the two shall cross. How dare you have a, have a, a 10 commandments on a public property or don't put up a manger scene on the public library lawn. But boy, when it comes to campaign time, <laughs> all of a sudden that goes kind of right out the window, doesn't it? It absolutely does because of the fact that they know that people of faith are the most, they're, they're going to be, they're, they're the highest voter turnout. People yeah. who, who claim any sort of faith are voting. People who have no faith or choose not to, they stay home typically. So naturally they know they're gonna go. It's Willie Sutton, who was a who was a bank robber in the in the 50s. They asked him, why'd you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. <laughs> why are politicians going to the churches? Because that's where the votes are. <laughs> well said. Great analogy. Uh listen, uh Martin, before we let you go. Why don't you give us your uh, your website, your uh, how we can find you on the socials and keep up with your work uh, as a member of project 21, just go to nationalcenter.org 
forward slash project 21. You'll see the list of all of our ambassadors and you'll see me there. Okay, well, I'm going to be talking to one of your ambassadors a little bit later in the program as well. We're going to be talking uh, to Dawn Marie uh, Porsico. So that'll be good. But Martin, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and thank you for joining us and, and, and breaking this down for us. Have a wonderful day, sir. And you as well, sir. Okay, thank you. Take care. There he goes. Very interesting. That's Martin Baker. You're listening to State of the Nation and maybe even watching State of the Nation on TNT Radio. Stick around. We've got a lot more to get to right after this. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article in CFACT about how people completely missed the true meaning of those storms that were blasting the UK three to four weeks ago. While they screamed climate change, climate change, climate change and warming, they were blind to the fact that this was indicating the pattern was going to change and that Europe was going to turn cold and snowy and a bit earlier than normal. So now they claim everybody is surprised for one and for two, Naturally, they're blaming warming. Well, guess what? There's a lot of rain going into Western Europe now, and it's quite warm. Wait till you see what's going to be like two to three weeks from now. Now, if you say, Joe, how are you telling us this? Why doesn't everybody know? It's because no one bothers looking anymore. Experts are now saying that a sign of a warming world is more snow. Now, wait a minute. 25 years ago, they said the opposite. And yet, when I was in third grade, my dad gave me a weather book because he knew I was into it. It was an entire chapter on why it would snow more if the earth started getting warmer. It means there's more water vapor in the air. And even though it warms up in some places, it doesn't warm up enough. So if there's more water vapor and it's still below 32, it's going to snow more. That was taught also in college back in the 1970s. So here we go again with people coming out with these ideas when they can't explain what's going on because they have absolutely no knowledge of what actually happens with the weather. They don't forecast it. And who do they blame? Warming. This is a scam and a sham. And the more I read about it, the more I try to be nice and look at the other side of the position, the more I realize this has nothing to do with climate or weather. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, last night, CNN hosted a a town hall event that featured uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, presidential hopeful. Topics uh, included border security, overseas spending on foreign conflicts, as well as taking on all of his GOP rivals, including his biggest rival, Donald Trump. Breaking this down with us is our friend Ken Cuccinelli. He, of course, uh, founded Never Back Down, and he's with us now. Ken, it's great to see you as always, sir. How are you? Uh, better than America. Hope you are. Hey, wow. That's 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 a mouthful. I'm going to have to start using that one. Uh, how did Ron do last night, do you think? How, how did the governor do? You know, I, I thought he did superbly. It was you know you know you're doing well when even 
even a witch like Anna Navarro on CNN afterwards saying, you know, he seemed almost human. Um, <laughs> you know, when you've got people like that admitting that you're actually almost a human being, you're really killing it. And yeah, um, no, no he, he did take on Trump on whether it was uh, debt or a lot of other issues. I mean, he didn't shy away from it. He also demonstrated uh, the depth of his knowledge. This is one of the reasons I support DeSantis over Trump. His preparation is spectacular. He masters his facts. So a guy got a was asking about the importance of keeping trade with China going in agricultural products. And he was a hog farmer and Iowa is the number one hog state in the country for your listeners. There's your trivial fact for the day. And, um, and he, and he answered the question and laid out a, a, a solid strategy of dealing with China and keeping American farmers selling, not just in China, but across Asia. And then he said, and the other thing we have to deal with is that Prop 12 in California. And I'm sure like 99% of the people watching were like, what? And, yeah. um, but, but he knew exactly what it was. It was this uh, referenda in California, not in Iowa, in California, about how animals must be raised in their home state to be sold for food in California. And, um, and DeSantis committed uh, to undoing that, that California doesn't get to write regulations for the whole country, which is what they use their size of about an eighth of the population to do because it's such a big market. And DeSantis promised to undo that, thereby lowering all of our food prices, by the way. That doesn't just raise food prices for people in California. It raises food prices for everybody listening to you and me talk right now, Stephen. And, um, you know, that kind of depth of understanding of the whole area of agriculture and inflation um, is just not something you get from Haley or Trump at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I won't argue. Sure as hell not Biden. Yeah, certainly not Biden. Well, that goes no, without no, saying. Yeah. No need to worry. Uh, even if even if. Uh, Governor DeSantis manages to pull off an amazing upset and become the nominee. He will never have to debate Joe Biden. They'll never get him. No, Joe Biden there. will never, ever debate Ron DeSantis. I mean, if you watch that Newsom debate, it was a slaughter. Ron yeah, DeSantis we talked about that wiped with you. the floor with him. But imagine if the guy on the other side of that stage had been Joe Biden and not Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is the slickest member of the left. And he was nailed to the floor and pummeled like a boxer with one foot nailed down. Um, DeSantis made <laughs> mincemeat of him. So you take any lesser lefty and they would be a hopeless victim of the preparation and brain power and speed that Ron DeSantis brings to the fight. Yeah, well, the fact that he would even mention Prop 12 is a, a, a kind of goes to your point. And of course, we can't forget that California, you know, the old adage uh, has always been, Ken, that uh, as California goes, so goes the country. God, I hope not. But it was certainly true with like uh, catalytic converters and California emission standards. I mean, that has affected the entire industry. And now, of course, not even that's good enough. Now it's got to be net zero emissions and all this other garbage. So now they're now they're they've moved on to the hogs. Imagine that California. I tell you, the reason, by the way, Ken, I should just tell you the reason you're speaking to me uh, as opposed to our buddy uh, Hesher with me is because he's in the process of doing God's work 
He's moving uh, his father out of California to the free state of Texas. So good, that's why. What a good son. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. Well, listen, um, uh, I know that, and I, I can't, it, we can't avoid the fact that the, the polls have not looked good for anybody but Trump, certainly not for Biden, but nobody seems to be making a dent uh, on Trump on the Republican side of things. Nikki Haley's getting a lot of money thrown her way, but Ron yeah. keeps just, uh, just plugging away. Um, what is, what is it? What is it? What is, uh, I mean, I know he's saying, well, it's early yet, but is this lead insurmountable? Do you think, or do you think that governor DeSantis no, it, still it, has a shot? No, here? it's, it's not insurmountable. I, look, We've door knocked at Never Back Down over 750,000 households just in Iowa. Wow. Just in Iowa. We're closing in on 3 million nationwide. And, um, and still in Iowa, the first response of voters of where they stand today right now is still over 50% undecided, even halfway through December. So Iowans proudly decide late. And I will also tell you that our analytics shows that over half of voters who express a first preference for any candidate still are willing to move to another candidate. That means that literally less than 25% of the Iowa electorate is locked into where they're going to be on caucus night. That's a lot of opportunity out there. And as long as people don't just uh, believe the polls as the outcome itself, and they actually go vote, Ron DeSantis will do very, very well. We've got a great ground game in place in support of him. He's inspired an awful lot of folks to come out. Got Bob Vanderplatz, the leading evangelical organizer in the state, supporting him. Yeah. Governor Kim Reynolds, um, historically supporting him. Iowa governors don't normally come out and certainly not that early. And she is beloved in Iowa. So for undecided voters, those kinds of things, no single one is a silver bullet, but those are all weights on the scale in favor of the hardest working candidate in Iowa. He completed the full Grassley a couple weeks ago, which for listeners, there are 99 counties in Iowa and the full Grassley is visiting all 99 counties. He is the only candidate who's going to get anywhere near that. And yes, there are big counties like around Des Moines with a lot of votes, but there are a lot of counties with small amounts of votes that add up. And only Ron DeSantis has visited those places. And um, and they they love him. And you know, after CNN went off the air last night, I was talking to someone who was in the hall uh, last night and DeSantis kept working the room it wasn't just after, it was actually in commercials and so forth. And that room loved him by the end of the night. And oh, that's that, good. It is good. And, and he's doing that in small doses, 50 to a couple of hundred all over the state. But in an, in an election that's only going to have about 200,000 voters come to caucus, that adds up in a big way. And those people talk to their husbands and wives and friends and um, and and we'll see the real impact of all that in 33 days. Yeah, we will. And then it's on to New Hampshire, I guess. I mean, if there's that many undecideds out there, boy, there's certainly an untapped vein of uh, support that w- that we'd see. Now, what do you think about Sununu coming out uh, with his big endorsement, his big announcement uh, with uh, Nikki Haley? 
Well, first of all, uh, DeSantis addressed it last night, and I thought he did it with absolute class. He said, look, yeah, very classy. He, he, he said, look, I'm not going to do what some other people do and just attack people who don't support me. Chris Sununu is a good guy. He's done a good job for his state. Um, do we want everybody's support? Of course we do. But the fact of the matter is, from my perspective, this is Ken Cuccinelli now, not Ron DeSantis. Um, the fact of the matter is, Sununu fits Haley ideologically um, there in the moderate wing of the party, kind of the comfortable with the establishment. You mentioned the money that's coming her way. That's Democrat and independent money and establishment Republican money. And it's real. It spends, you know, but she also when groups like AFP and their donors, donor driven, get behind Haley, their door knockers come work for Never Back Down and support Governor DeSantis. We've got people coming over in Iowa and New Hampshire to support Governor DeSantis because there's no way they're supporting um, a, a same old, same old, like Hil like I said, almost said Hillary Clinton, but I mean, <laughs> uh, Nick, Nikki Haley. And, and, and look, quick quiz for anybody watching you and me. Name one major accomplishment of Nikki Haley. Yeah, you couldn't do it. Yeah. Neither can I. You know why? Yeah. Because from a conservative standpoint, there aren't any. There well, I gotta, any. I, you know, I, you know <laughs> the great one, Mark Levin, refers to her as uh, Bush in a dress. So, <laughs> and that would explain the uh, the moderate, the quote unquote moderate Republicans uh, yeah. are jumping on the uh, the Haley ticket. It's going to be very interesting to see this play out. Now, Ken Cuccinelli, I, I, I can't let you go without asking about what we saw today on Capitol Hill. Abby Lowell and Hunter Biden jump up to the mic and basically flip off the entire House, uh, or at least the Republican side of the House, and say, yeah, we're not going to take part in this. Yeah, certainly not the yeah. whole House. Uh, what do you think about that? Because it looks like today at 5 p.m. they are going to be holding a floor vote for the impeachment inquiry into Biden. All of this mere two or three days before they bag out of D.C. for the holidays. What do you think about what happened today and what's going to happen later today concerning all of this? Well, um, when you won't share your story um, and you're Hunter Biden, you are not tamping down interest in wondering what's really going on, which is the question for the five o'clock vote. Yeah. Um, yeah. The stonewalling out of the out of the Biden crime family uh, continued today with Hunter and his lawyer and. And I think there's probably some conflict between father and son there. Look, dad's going to pardon him. It's just a question of getting the election over with. And, um, and, and then only the House will have the ability to ask any questions. Now, in a criminal inquiry, Hunter Biden doesn't have to answer anything. That is not true before the House of Representatives. And for your listeners, um, there is literally no more sweeping position to gather information than an impeachment inquiry of a president. Uh, yeah, and that, no that may change. That may change the. Uh, uh, that may change his uh, position on this. I wonder if Abby Lowell is probably sitting on pins and needles waiting too. Yeah, there's uh, no attorney-client privilege protection. There is. Uh, there. There are no privileges whatsoever before an impeachment inquiry, and uh, the Democrats gleefully rolled in this pig slop uh, with Trump a couple of times. And now we have a legitimate concern about a president now and a vice president then who is literally selling out to our enemies 
at the time, not not like selling lobbyist influence after he left off, left office, but actually selling influence while in the office and then yeah. lying about it while running for president. So uh, this is a this is for real for folks. Um, the the what matters is the president, not Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is a bit player as far as the impeachment goes, but he is a player. Boy, is he yeah. a player? Um, yeah, he was a bad and, man. Uh, and 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 look, it's 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 lowbrow, unsavory selling of influence at the expense of our nation, and that is impeachable. If that is what was happening, and that's bribery, overwhelming proportion of evidence we've seen so far suggests it was. That is an impeachable offense. To say nothing of, you know, not taking care that the laws be enforced, for example, the border, um, or lying to Congress, which you could get Mayorkas for. You could yeah. uh, Hunter Biden it was at least smart enough uh, to just say, "I'm not going to say anything," as opposed to getting up there and lying, which would. Yeah would be a felony. So I would wager that was more Abby Lowell than Hunter Biden, but you know, we can have Oh sure. Small, I sure. Yeah. Well, no you question. mentioned the border. You mentioned the border and we've got a couple of minutes left. The feds came out today or maybe it was late yesterday and they said, "Look, we've got serious concerns about possible uh violent act they didn't want to say the word terrorist, but they did say violence at holiday public holiday gatherings." This all with the backdrop of a wide open southern border. It seems that Christopher Ray, who last week said he sees blinking red lights everywhere. I think that was actually Monday that he said that. Yeah. Uh, and again, but yet the border. Which is isn't new from is, him. He's been, he's been waving that red flag for a little while now. Well, that's probably a little CYA because I think that he thinks something may happen. Uh, what is what does Governor DeSantis have to say about that? I mean, I saw him last night, but let's get your take on this because this is a big, big problem facing this country, and I think it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I think most of us do, and I think the Biden administration does too, and they are willing to accept those kinds of existential threats to achieve their erasure of America's borders. I mean, that's how captive of the radical left they are. Governor DeSantis has said one of the first things he'll do as president is move troops to the border in between the ports of entry and stop the illegal entry. This is something Trump refused to do. I begged him to do it. He wouldn't do it. Um, Biden hasn't done it. Biden and, and Trump both did the same thing with troops. They moved them down there. And then those people helped participate in processing people in. Yeah. That is not what you do with troops. And um, doesn't mean we've got to roll into Mexico with tanks and planes and bomb them. But you do turn everyone, everyone away, crossing in between legal ports of entry. You want to come in this country, you come in legally or not at all. And it is possible to do this. It is not all that logistically challenging. And it just takes political will. And only DeSantis has that political will. He has promised to do that. And every promise he made running for governor, he kept. Now, well, Donald Trump can't we say go. that. Yeah. Well, Ken Cuccinelli, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We're certainly going to talk to you again uh, in the coming weeks and months. And I thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Good to be with you, as always. Okay. Take care. That's Ken Cuccinelli. You're listening and watching, perhaps, State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We've got a full hour to go, and Hesher is going to join us inside the next hour on TNT Radio.